Here we go with season two of the Crazy People podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Today's guest, uh, Jamel Jones, youth pastor, a musician, writer, cool guy, huh, Maurice? Oh, yeah, he's all that and definitely not what I initially found um, Jamel Jones is to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, he's absolutely inspirational. Um, he does a lot of work in the mentorship uh, for youth and young people mm-hmm. and kids and um, fantastic energy. And I really, really love to, to spend the time with him. And I think that that hour that we talked, it's, I think it's around an hour. Uh, went by like yeah. nothing, right? And oh, yeah. uh, and I took a lot of notes um, while talking, and I, I did have to let him go because that <laughs> would have ended up like two hours, three hours. <laughs> Nobody wants to uh, listen to that. No, so he's a fantastic guy. He does a lot of things, and I think his message, uh, messaging and the, the energy that he brings um, yeah. with it is fantastic and truly an inspiration for everybody out there. So... Stay tuned, listen or watch this episode. It's a really good kickoff uh, to the new year. All right, here we go. Because really, what could go wrong once you press record, right? <laughs> exactly, what could go wrong? It's all going to be very perfect. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to season two. Season two of Crazy People Doing a Podcast. The Crazy People Podcast. Uh, over there in window number one, the captain of curiosity, again for season two. Maurice Hoffman, I am Russ Brummel here in window number three. And in the middle, in the hot seat today, Jamel Jones. Welcome, Jamel. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me on. Fantastic. We are so happy to have you on. And as we just talked before the show, you are not the boxer, Jamel Jones. <laughs> that, that is correct. Not the boxer. <laughs> <laughs> You're also not a guy working at Top Golf. So please yes. give us and the audience a big a bit of a summary of who you are, what your orange story is, and then we take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, my name is Jamel Jones, and I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. So go Buckeyes, which I'm so hurt that we did not make the college playoff, but that is not part of this podcast because <laughs> my <laughs> tears will continue to run. So uh, and go Flyers because uh, I support Dayton, my city. But anyway, born and raised there, and then eventually I went to EKU and graduated at EKU uh, with a uh, bachelor's in philosophy and a minor in, in uh, Middle Eastern religions, and then. Fast forward, I traveled to Texas where I got my master's degree at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I've been doing youth ministry for 12 years. And then mm-hmm. the Lord called me to uh, look at youth ministry in the rearview mirror. And I proceeded to go into the, the candidacy to just to be a uh, local licensed pastor, United Methodist Church currently. And uh, from there, from Texas, I moved all the way up to uh, Richmond, Kentucky. And then from Richmond, Kentucky, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, beautiful news, I got married as a, a month ago. Actually, on this would be a couple months ago, uh, for sure. And to my beautiful wife, Susan, and our two kids. And Fantastic. here I am uh, now. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of a quick, in short summary of the, the travel, <laughs> as well as a little bit of education background. Yeah. So how how did you how did you start in that area um, to start with the ministry? Is that something in in the background that you have from your family side, or how did that calling happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think everybody at some point has to figure out their why and their purpose and meaning in life, and that helps you move and navigate relationships. It helps you navigate jobs, right? It helps you navigate. Uh, career paths, let alone. And so for me, just growing up, I had these ap- aspirations of wanting to be in the NFL. And so I would practice hard and try to be the best I could be. And, you know, as I've got older, you know, in that season of my life, I was not big enough or tall enough, I think, to be able to play at a hard level in D1. And so yeah. from there, you know, I was trying to discern, okay, what, what, what do I want to do? Like, I knew I was passionate about youth because I was working in our youth pastors, youth ministry at the time. And I was, you know, always trying to inspire people and engage people and motivate people. And it just because of that, I found this authenticity that was growing in me to set a trail to help my generation, my age group. 
did mm-hmm. not I did not know that I was actually impacting younger kids and I was only in middle school and then I was only in high school. And so it was like I saw the impact. And so I continued to talk to friends. And at the time I had a few mentors. That I didn't realize they were mentors because I didn't, couldn't develop that language because I didn't grow up with mentors as they yeah. talked about in the household growing up. And because of that, I just felt this like, yeah, I think I want to do something. I want to share and inspire people and and keep moving it in that. And when I came to faith as understanding Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then I progressed to figure out that I want to inspire people to follow him. And I also want to help people not quit in life. And so mm-hmm. when I figured that lane out for me, man, I was just on fire. I mean, I figured out my why's right there. And it took me a while to understand my why's because you can inspire people all you want to follow. But what does that look like in a practical sense? What does it look like to encourage you not to quit in life? You know, what do those two things look like from a practical sense and more of a intellectual, you know, sense of like, how can you inspire people and how can you motivate them not to quit? So in that just set me ablaze to say, you know what? I want to love people and love people well and help them in life. And so, I mean, so that ultimately is how I got into youth ministry, you know? Um, And I will say too, I'm a, I don't want to leave this out. I saw my youth pastor at the time was a dude that didn't mess up, that didn't fail, that didn't, you know, um, do the wrong things. And I have to remember that he had his own life and his own struggles and his own battles. The thing was, I fell ill to comparison trap, which is I kept looking at his life, kept looking at how he was doing and saying, looking at God like, yo, I ain't designed for this because I can't do that. And it took me some years to understand that you're not him. You know, everybody's a designer original. So like you have distinct purpose, distinct uh, wisdom to give, you know, so you're not him. You're you. And I've made you for this. And this is where we're going to go. And so when I started to figure it out, man, it's just like, I've been on fire ever since. And I'm, my context has always been around generational, whether it's middle school, high school, college, elementary, like it's seemingly to be the thing that I've just been gravitated to. So interesting. Um, I fully understand the comparison, um, that especially because you wanted to play football. And so I can't imagine there's a, there's a good portion of competitor in you. Yeah, for sure. Right? And the more you're a competitor, the more you start compare yourself to others, especially if they are in your age group or slightly older, because they want to see, hmm, can I, where am I in comparison to this or that person? Absolutely. Can I do that? Can I be better? Because if you're a competitor, you always want to do better, right? Right. But, and doing better is easy if you look for sports, you have better numbers and whatever. Right, but in right. comparison to um, something like you do, inspire people. There's no doing better. So how did how did you eventually get rid of this comparison mode and understanding that you are different than that person and it's okay to be different? So let me give a shout out to him if he ever gets to listen to this podcast. His name is Will Verdon. He was just an amazing man in my life, one of many. And Will helped me to see early on that it's okay to boast in Christ and not in yourself. And mm-hmm. because of that, he helped me to, uh, over time, tear down some walls. So when you see me navigate and move in life, it almost can look like arrogance, but it's really confidence in somebody else and not in me. And mm-hmm. so when I'm doing the things I do, I have to remember, like, okay, for example, when I'm hooping with, with cats on the court, no matter who you are, you know, our team could be trash. My desire is not to win the game, truthfully. Of course, you want to win, but my desire isn't to win. It is to, how can I incorporate you? Like, I know you can't dribble well, but you're a pretty good shooter. So I need to figure out how to set you up on the wing. Or like, I know you can't uh, shoot, but you could drive. So I need to figure out how I can get you the ball early up the court so that you could try to set something up. So like, even if we get blown out by like 55 points, and which if we're doing a game to 12, let's say we, you know, we lost 12 to two, right? Something like that. I'm the guy that's like, hey, as long as we played hard, I'm cool. And so football growing up wasn't linked to my story because I thought it was, I mean, it's connected to my story, but I thought it was me because I was allowing my dad to live vicariously through me. And so it was like, when I had to break that, that comparison to break the, it seemed like it was just levels to it. 
when I understood that, my outlook on not just ministry, not just relationships, not just career path, but even my own personal ambitions and dreams, they evolve and they change in a sense of where you want everybody to be a part of it, even though your journey is distinctly different from everybody else's. So what I'm saying is it took a while to break that. And now I view things as how can I get better? Yes. But how can I bring people around me to build me up as I build them up? You know, whether it's seasonal, well, it is seasonal. It just depends on how long. Yeah, that's fantastic. First of all, I need you on my team whenever we play uh, because <laughs> I'm the guy that needs that motivator because I'm not hey. only I'm also slow, right? So, hey, hey, let me tell you a quick story. This is hilarious. So I remember I was back in college and we were at EKU, graduate EKU, so we're on their outdoor courts. We're hooping, right? And, and no, I'm not saying it's like, it's just funny how things are happening. So you always got to be working on your heart posture, right? Always wanting to be a better version of you. So I'm sitting here hooping with these cats on the court trash i mean like man we ain't getting nothing we ain't getting no rebounds we ain't getting nothing and it, it causes me to get like okay we playing hard rate doing that i want to take over the game and try to do something now i ain't top rated like you know what i mean but i know i could put up buckets if need be and i remember we were hooping and we just lost horribly but i kept encouraging people right like hey man it's all good bro it's all good at the end of the game we walking out me and my uh, couple of my buddies they go to the car this one guy's walking with me and my last friend before we get in the car and drive off so I can drop him off. And this guy's like, hey, man, I really appreciate you, you know, just encouraging me. And, you know, and, and y'all got good work ethic. Yeah, yeah, just give him compliments. Give him all these flowers. I'm like, hey, man, I appreciate it. He's like, hey, hold on one minute. He goes to his car. He comes back. He gives us these coupons to Papa John's. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, cool, man. We appreciate free food. He's like, I just want to let you know, like, I'm the regional manager of Papa John's and I own seven of these franchises and oh. here's some coupons for you to have pizza free for a year. I was like, what the heck? He was like, bro, I just appreciate how good y'all been to me. And I'm like, what the heck? Now I share that to say like, you just never know what happened, man. When you just do right by people, not looking to get a game, but it was hilarious. I was like, what the heck? Papa John's owner of seven, seven of these stores is like, Hey, yo, Thanks for being so kind. Here's some here's some free pizza for a year. Best believe, college students, we smashed on that. I know, I know. I got kicked out of a lot of uh, pizza and all you can eat. <laughs> I was uh, another funny story before we move on. I met my wife on a basketball court, and she played first division St. John's and European Champions League or whatever. Good night. And I met her on a on a on a court here. And um, essentially because I, I, my basketball game is weird, but I do a mean hook shot. Okay. But I'm not tall. I'm like 5'11 on a good day, mm. but I have big old hands and I do the hook shot. And my release is here and not here. So people, and because I do it so slowly, I mess everybody's timing up. <laughs> so she watched me playing and then eventually we played on the same team. And all she did was laugh. <laughs> there you go right you so your shot you, you were shooting your shot pun intended oh yeah i was shooting <laughs> <laughs> i was shooting so that's uh that's how basketball can be good for you you got your yes. pizza i got my wife so hey look at that hey so good. <laughs> amen <laughs> yes it's working out for us you said something that i um picked up on that you had to and please correct me if i didn't get it wrong that you had to correct um essentially your your father living through you um uh, yes, with the yes. football edition, uh, ambition please t elaborate on that a little bit yeah i just i just the way we grew up it was okay if we can make it to the league you know we can help you know fun take care of our family you know what i mean and really like support the family and get everybody some money yada 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 yeah you know, and I figured out over time, I was like, man, this, I enjoy the gang, but this, it just really isn't me. You know what I mean? I, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that. Even with basketball, I was like, I mean, I played AAU little all the way up and I stopped after sophomore year of high school. I was like, this, this just isn't me. And, you know, and it took me a while to get the vernacular, right? To get the language to say, oh, this is, this is a vicarious thing. Like this is, this is what this is. And I mean, I understand it then, you know what I mean? Mental health was I mean, in the community I grew up in, you didn't talk about your feelings, you didn't talk about your emotions. You kind of just process it or try to work it out or whatever. And 
I, I mean, I understood that, oh, yeah, all these games, all this preparation, all this time was preparing me to go do this, but I understood it was in light of what he wanted for him and for me. So it was like, you could see it as a, as a, you, you could see it as like, oh, okay, he was really just helping you, but no, not really. No, no, not at all. You know, because of how I felt after every game or after every this and that, I was just like, man, this isn't, but it took all the way up to my senior year and I still didn't want to play that. And I remember sitting in a football room, locker room with me and my buddy and me and him were just like, bro, that's not that's not even play this year. And we finally sat there, was like, all right, you think we could do one more? And and I and I chose that was the first time me choosing, like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead. Versus the other times all the way through seventh grade, all the way up, I was like, yeah, I just don't, yeah, I don't, you know. And then I fell in love with track because I chose that as a sport, you know. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I found out later, just like, yeah, this is this is his sport, this isn't mine, you know. Now I I like the game, a lot of things to learn from the game. It just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't me. Yeah, I understand that. And I see myself on the other side. Um, when we were still living in New York, we had a, just one of the neighbors. Uh, he was a, a, a private trainer and coach for kids from toddler age all the way up through to the NBA. Right. And so we started with our son doing some basketball training. And about, I don't know, six months in, he was like, so what's your plan? I was like, I, I don't have a plan. He's like, all right, that's good. <laughs> because it's not happening. <laughs> no, it's, it's important. And um, let's go back to your, to your mentorship. It's important to allow your mentee to find their path, right? Yeah, yeah. And not putting something upon them that is just about you. Because if you're really a mentor you kind of take their path out of them instead of putting something into them, right? Because you cannot, I cannot make my son into a basketball player, but me anyways, but let's act like I could. <laughs> right. Um, if, he, if he doesn't want to be, right? That may work for a couple of years as it did with you for football, but eventually you need so much fire and desire to keep that hard and, and rigorous training schedule. If it doesn't come out of that person themselves, it's not going to happen. And I think that is true for all of the areas. So you as a, as a mentor uh, for youth, for kids, young kids too, how do you approach the mentorship and what are your, in air quotes, your topics that you talk about when mentoring a person? Yeah, let me go back real quick because just to talk about my mentors, Lisa, three, the, what they, two things that they, I saw in the very beginning that it just stood out. One, they helped me unearth all the gold and the jewels or whatever you want to say for this analogy. The things that I'm like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Oh, I actually do like that. They helped me to see that. And then they also allowed me to stay in a specific lane and burn it up. I say that because I remember I used to work at a church and we had this one volunteer particular that was just amazing. A lot of stuff and did a lot of things, but then left everything undone. Right. And it's like, you know what? No, 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 no. You're, you're trail. You're setting things on fire. And I mean, it's in a positive light, like, Oh, it's great. You're doing all this. And it's wonderful. Well, let's keep you in one specific lane and you can yeah. torch that. And then, all right, then we got that. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can add another one. So they, they helped me to stay in a lane. And they also helped me to unearth some things. Oh, and one more thing, and I'll get to your question. And they helped me also to realize that um, I need to go ahead and just mess up. And it's okay. And they watched me, but they didn't ghost me. They were like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, now why did you do that wrong? And then they checked me on it. And then they held me accountable. So it was like, that was the thing. I was like, you know what? I appreciate about that. And they always make sure they kept it real with me. So that's really four things right there. But that's what they did for me. So what I do for... The college students or when I was working with uh, seniors and juniors in high school and middle schoolers, my main thing was there's several things, but I'll, I'll say a few. One being that I always kept it real with them. I always made sure that I was real, uh, open, honest, transparent, with the same things, just to make sure that, hey, hey, there's a guy that you can come to that he'll give you the real. Now, now there's got to be grace before truth, and so that, that's what I lean on. I think the next thing is just as important is help them figure out the things that they love to do, the things that they're passionate about. And that can only be to me. Yeah. I think that only can happen through evaluated experiences. 
And once you, when you go through certain things in life and when you're trying to figure out a career path, or you're trying to figure out certain topics, like whether it's racism or something in politics, or uh, if you're talking about a career path, whatever, you know, that I, we could talk about these things and be open and honest about it and then give you room. I think another thing that I do with the ones that I mentor is give them spaces that my mentors did to me to go ahead and make some mistakes. You want to mm -hmm. go ahead and lead a service. You want to go ahead and lead this entrepreneur talk. You want to go ahead and lead this leadership talk. Go ahead. I'll give you three minutes up there. Not because I'm a short your time, but because, well, let's, let's run this real quick and then we'll see how that goes. You're good. I can give you some critiques, some advice, you know, some do not do that. Consider this. You did great at this. Get you back up there. Not, not like, uh, like if you did it on a Monday, you know, I forget. Let me just do it that way. Well, I'll say, I got you up there on week one. I, I plan on getting you back like week six, week seven. You might say, that's a little long. Well, it gives you time to process that, kind of put something together. Let's get you back up, but get them frequently going. And so yeah. I try to just really help you to find your lane and make sure that is it's building relationships. It's honoring people and, and, and by how you treat them, because we owe nothing to anybody but kindness. And so I feel like if we can navigate that in the midst of whatever they're trying to figure out absolutely so i mean those are the main two things i really do is like help them find a space and then let, let's have some discipleship or some apprentice apprenticing where i might actually pouring into you loving on you um giving you some tools energizing equipping empowering you to do some things now it may sound like i'm not answering the question but that, it's directly to the point of hey i give it you space to move and giving you some whether it's nuggets books resources just to help you be a better you, you know? So yeah. it's just really spending time with them. I think that's really, really it is. Cause I think when you start to share stuff like this, people want the cookie cutter version of it. And a lot of it just takes time by sitting down at a coffee shop or sitting down and I don't eat this, but sit down at McDonald's or something like that. It is really doing life or coming over and having a meal and really talking about things and helping you navigate. Yeah. That's fantastic, especially because uh, you said there's no cookie cutter solution to things. I think a lot of people are looking for shortcuts. Right. And that's not going to do it. There's no short, shortcut to anything, really. You got to trust the process. Problem, right. Right. You got to trust the process. And the process is hard to, to go through, especially in the climate we live in today, because everything is, is easy to access. You know, you can rise to the top if that's your ambition. You know, you can cut around this area to get the things you need, but it's like, man, for most, I can't say all people because that's a too big of a generalization. But if you do that cut around, you can see how many people got to the top, but they're not built for it. While others have been in the trenches working hard. So when they get into the limelight, they're able to sustain because they put in the hard work. They know what it's like to, to fall many times and take that L. Like if you take the right L, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, I learned from that. All right, what am I going to do next? And so I yeah. think it's, man, the pro you're right. The process is important and not cutting it short, even though we want to. And some things you can go ahead and jump. But, man, when you have wisdom through evaluated experiences, man, you can only share that those nuggets with more people. You're working today with a, with a generation that grew up with technology. Yeah. Right. They grew up with social media. And I, I think all humans who get on social media are affected by it. Um, but but how do you kind of speak into that generation who's who's grown up with some of their self-image defined by what they're seeing on social media and what they're seeing from their friends, their neighbors, other influencers, whatever it is. But now as you're especially as you're working with um kids sort of college age, they're about to go out into the quote unquote real world. <laughs> right. Um, which is not sometimes is, is social media, but very often it's not. What do you, what do you see there? Oh yeah. This generation is interesting. And I think every generation says that about every generation. <laughs> so let's just put that out there real quick. Those kids today, every, it <laughs> yeah. says everybody everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I say that, man, I, I'm going to say this is I'm going to get to the point of your question. But I'm going to kind of go this route just really quickly. I hear more students complain about loneliness, loneliness than I feel like I've ever heard before. And they complain about it. You find an 
you find them, you help them with that and say, Hey, here's some friends. Let me get you plugged in here. And then they still complain about it. And then, then they look at everybody on social media. I don't care what platform it is. You're looking and you're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I want that life. I want their life. I want those kids. I should be married by now. I want to do this. I want to do that. How come I don't have the bag, meaning the money, how come I don't. And so then the comparison trap begins to happen. Then you start to diminish the value you have as a human being. To me, I would argue made in the image of God, to other people, you take it what you will. I, I find that when we're mixing, because there's a distinction between value and identity, but I feel like it is students are losing their way because they're listening to all these voices that are just getting their information from whoever and, and not stating fact. Facts become fiction. Fiction is becoming fact. And navigating, oh man, I can keep going, but just navigating, navigating, navigating that with a young person is is difficult because they bought into so many lies about themselves mm-hmm. and about other people. And so the only way to unearth that or to, to rework it or to, to, to delete it or erase it, whatever from the mind is to help them first say, or help them to first answer a few questions of like, Hey, what, like, who are you? Meaning that like, what do you do? Which is not, defining you you know but a lot of people do that but like what do you do what do you love what do you see how do you like ask them all these type of questions all over the place and, and then ask them okay so what are, you're buying into what you're hearing is that is that you like are you are, when you look in the mirror who do you see do you see the person and the podcaster influencing you and that's the identity you've claimed or like do you like, like what do you see what do you hear like to me i would always argue as a follower of jesus to listen to his voice because I feel he has the best interest for you. And I feel that you're made for love, by love, to love. And, and, and I feel that young people are just so confused. And I imagine, I can imagine, or not imagine, I remember when I was, you know, trying to figure out like, man, do I have purpose? Do I have worth? Like, do people actually love me for me? And I, I just feel like the culture is upside down on a lot of, uh, to me, culture's always been upside down. But young people in particular today, I just feel like they have no clue and they're just buying into everything. And so to navigate those waters, and I keep saying navigation because you got it. Maybe that's the word I keep spouting out that maybe that could be something. But it seems like it is hard to go through this alone and you need other people to remind you not necessarily of who you are, you know, but who you belong to and how you have value, you know. And, and so I, I don't know if I really answered that, Russ, but I will say it is a difficult time to help people navigate when there's so many voices to listen to, from podcasts to to Barnes & Noble, the bookstore, mm-hmm. just look at all the books that people got things to say, and you hope that they're upbuilding and inspiring, you know. But, but yeah, I, I think just we're in a time where it's a little difficult. Yeah, but one one of the things I hear there, um, is that some of your sort of coming to terms with stuff in your past as you worked through, you know, your father's vicarious like influence on you and, and stuff like that, which was a very different form than social media takes today, but right. still some of how you kind of figured you you navigated, if you want that, you know, you navigated your way through there. Maybe that helps you then help the help the kids navigate, right? Your mentors helped you navigate the same kinds of uh things even if even if they look a little bit different technologically or something today yeah and I, and i think just using the tools of social media you can flip the switch you know mm-hmm. or shift the paradigm to where you're able to use it in a positive light so there are ways to to be able to do that absolutely and i also agree yeah back then when there was no conversations on as much conversations on mental health or much conversations on how you could be a better you or conversations on faith or conversations social media helps to bridge that gap and to say, Hey, you're not alone in this. Like, yeah. You know, as a newlywed right here, like, Hey, it's good to see these little posts here or there, but like, Hey, some things to consider or yada, 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 or, you know, you don't always take them at face value, but you can chew them up and like, okay, okay. Spit out what's bad and you keep it pushing. So social media is a beautiful Avenue, but it can also distort a lot of things because people's mindsets have to be shifted. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And what I see, I um, I have a lot of younger colleagues that I work with 
uh, student age and so on. And they are fearful of what will become of them. Um, and those people that, those guys that I'm talking about, they already have their masters at 22, 23. They should be relaxed. They should be easygoing and just saying, like, hey, let's, let's, going, let's get going and whatever, right? But in reality, they are like, okay, what do I need to do? What's my next step? What is this? What is this? Is this the long-term right route? And I told him like, hey, at your age, I was in the army. I did that. I did that. And you know what? None of it has anything to do with what I do today. Right. Right. Just relax. You're already ahead. <laughs> You're already miles ahead of so many other things, so many other people, uh, because they have access to so much knowledge and know-how. Yeah. Calm down. Why don't you look for fun in what it is that you do? Because without fun, again, what we talked about with sports. Right. That same analogy, right? If you don't have fun with what you're doing, you're not going to be the best or very good at it anyways, because it's always work. But you're spending so much time at it, it cannot always be work. It has to be fun in there, because otherwise it's it's just dreadful. Well, and you gotta look at people's world, world views as well, how they grow up, how they grew up, you know, the raising. I mean, yeah, I, mean, we, I have several college students that I know who are – all about work. I mean, it's, you should be able to go and, and hang out, go see a movie, go bowling, go axe throwing, go paintball and whatever with your friends. Man, but they busy up their schedules. I'm on this leadership program. I'm doing this conference. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm like, man, you, you know, how many recitals? Like, I, like, where do you have a chance to breathe? You know, and I, I hear what you're saying. Like, why won't we just pull it back a little bit, but it depends how the raising was, you know? Yeah. And then I, I want to go back to the mentorship a little bit because for me, mentorship and the mentors that I met kind of opened a perspective of what could be, right? Because my mom had no money whatsoever, right? And the people immediately around us were in the same situation. Mm. So I was lucky to have mentors or be in a situation that opened, that showed me another level to the ceiling, Right. Yeah. No, no, this is not your ceiling. Your ceiling is way up there. Right. And then I got up a couple of levels and then a new mentor would show up and say, like, no, 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 this is not your ceiling. Right. Your ceiling is way up there. Right. right? And that is something where I think we don't have enough mentors that, especially in the black community, that talk about non-sports and non-entertainment related goals that people can have. Um, I mean, I was born and raised in Germany, but even here, the the kids and the younger siblings of, of friends of mine or now their kids, they all talk about becoming the next rapper, becoming the next sports star or whatever. I'm like, there's other things you can do, right? Yeah. There's other things to ha a, have an impact in, in society yeah. and uh, also to make a very good living, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I'll say, I'll say, several things one is i tell and i'm on record with this in it but i mean i say it a lot not just in the content because i'm a content creator that i create at the same time i say it in all my ministry aspects or if i'm just doing leadership and entrepreneur teachings that i'll be doing at different places as well i bring this up too you gotta have a mentor you have to you know and i and i there's several reasons i mean one being that they can help you navigate because that's the word navigate life Two, they can help you make evaluated decisions, you know, so you can have a look at some things. Three, they can they can get your foot in the door in certain aspects of life or whatever comes to career, you know. Uh, and four, you have somebody to talk to about the things that you're struggling with that you're going through, you know. And I find that every great athlete, because we're talking about athletes a little bit for a second, every great athlete has some type of coach, if you will. You know, Jordan had to have one. Tiger had to have one. Venus and Serena had to have one, Right. Uh, like and the list goes on brady had to have one like you still need to go back to the fundamentals you still need to work on you know how to play the game well you know mm -hmm. and and taking that out of sports just to say to, in order to do life well you know you need some people that have been ahead of you in life further along 
to give you some golden nuggets. You know, it's nice to have people with you, but it's even better to have someone who's further ahead that you could trust about it. And I'll go back to what you said about the black community as me being a black man. I've definitely noticed over time how it was, man, I, I didn't hear much about mentors, you know, or I didn't hear much about, again, I keep bringing up mental health or I didn't hear much about talking and sharing feelings or whatever. And it's important, not just as a black man, but it's important as people in general to be able to do that to be able yeah. to have somebody to talk to about the thing. Cause we're all human and we need some people who've been ahead of us to talk to you about some stuff. And so I, it, it is extremely important. And I don't believe people understand that value until they have somebody who says, Hey, let, hey why don't you come over every week? We'll cook you a meal. Cause I had somebody like that in college, you know, come over every, every weekend cooking you a meal. Hey, how's it going? Like, and either you find him or her or, they come out of nowhere and it's like, yeah. then, it, then the process begins. Right. So it's important to have somebody and you understand the value of it when you're in it. I don't think you understand how much you need it until you're in it, you know? So I said the same thing twice in a different way. So people can hear that because it's important. It's very important to have somebody that you can voice things to, you know, let me, let me give it a little bit of a break and zigzag around you said something before we before we started recording about a mission trip to Africa while you were in high school. Why? How? What did your parents say? So it long story short of that, because it was crazy. Uh, and it was oh, definitely Lord was through that for sure. I my youth pastor, Will Verdine at the time, his mother was going on a trip to Liberia. That's where we went. And we went to specifically we went to Camphor, which is 88, if I believe, miles outside of Buchanan. So we we went out to Camper to actually help a pastor put flooring down for his, for his parsonage and then also to help, I don't want to say restart, but at least help the VBS, Vacation Bible School program. And mind you, all the, the privy to this, all the war, I believe, I could get wrong because it's been a while, 2003 2004 now for sure the war had ended and so we did have like 24 25 26 year olds in the third and fourth grade like it was it was it was a surreal moment but it was beautiful to see all that play out so anyway she was going and her friend whose also name was will was a youth pastor in cleveland he was going and i got wind of it and they were telling me about it, like, you should go, you should go, you should check this out. I said, you know what? I didn't even hesitate. I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'd love to go. And so I don't know if my parents are really on board, but it was like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I never knew why why they didn't say no. They were just like, okay. Like, they, they seemed like they didn't care. I feel like if you ask them now, that they could probably say there was a care. But in my vantage point, it seemed like they didn't even care. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, and I don't think they understood till it got serious because – I had to raise, I mean, a lot of money. This sounds like a made-up story. I mean, a lot of money. And I know that the program we were going through, they they gave some money. I went around, and I was real tight in my high school. I went around to our district superintendent who funded some of it and then got all most of the teachers in the high school to fund some of it. And then I got some friends around the neighborhood to fund some of it. And then my church did a little portion, and it was fully paid for. And I was just like, hey, no, and I ain't going to put the number out there. But it was just like, this was crazy. And then the, the blessing was that all the money, though, that was still left over, what I did, I went over there. And I remember, I think I had, I can't remember if I had like $600 or $800 left in my fanny pack. But that, at the time, it took 70 U.S. No, it took 70 Liberian dollars to make one U.S. dollar. And so, I mean, I, I was rolling in money. So the best way I could do to say thank you was to go and purchase a lot of stuff at their markets they had, fly back here, and then give them all away as gifts to people who donated. So, like, I don't even think they – I don't – the whole thing was, like, you know, just the way it worked out. But it was a blessing. And I left in the middle, close to the end of my senior year of high school and came back just the time to take classes, do whatever, graduate. And then, you know, at the same time, I was trying to figure out what college I was going to go to. Cause I, you know, I got denied by my first three colleges that I applied for. So I went on this trip, sort of depressed. Like it was a whole, it was a whole thing. So it was an amazing experience culturally. Cause I'd never flown before, never been out of the country before, you know, like, and when we landed, I was nervous as all get out, but we landed in this town called smell, no taste. 
And I was like, what the, like, I asked Lay, why is it called this? And I'm going on a tangent. Anyway, and she said it's named this way because the military base used to be here and they were not allowed to come over, like over the fence or whatever they had blocked off, but they could smell the beautiful aroma of the food that was being cooked by the natives. They could smell it, but they weren't allowed to come over and taste it. And so they named the the town, village, whatever you want to call it, smell no taste. And so it was incredible experience. Incredible experience. So I always tell people, if you can get out of the country, for sure. I mean, it doesn't have to be a mission trip, but I always say get out of the country to at least experience something, let alone go out country and help somebody, because you'd be surprised how they're living versus how you are. But you could find that in the States. So it, it was a it was impactful. But yeah, I don't think my parents really, until it got like, oh, he really going. Like, like yeah, like <laughs> I'm doing this. I raised all this money through the people that really loved on me and was like, hey, we want to support this. So. So you wouldn't say it then, huh? <laughs> oh, I, oh, absolutely. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm going. And you know what? That's the funny thing about life, too. Opportunity comes up. You're like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do Which, man, just say sometimes, not all the time, say yes. You know, just, just that you just never know, you know? And so I didn't even think to whatever you want to phrase for it. I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And raise all this money, do this and that. As it was getting closer, I'm like, Okay, I'm flying out, but it still didn't hit till I got on the plane and flew for my first time. Four flights to get out there, and these weren't short. And I was like, "Yo, you know." And so, and it's felt it still felt unreal because it doesn't seem like you're across country or something. You know, even though I flew over the Atlantic Ocean, it just seemed like I was like, "Mom, I could call mom, and she's right there." But nope, not at all. But yeah, it was it was amazing. It was. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> That is fantastic. And now I, I, I'm pretty sure that your your parents, they didn't fully expect to go through it, or or because that is what my mom told me. Because I did something else um, where she like, yeah, I couldn't stop you. I knew there was no stopping you. I was I went to the German army, and within five months, I went to Bosnia, which was my first flight at age. Wow. 8, 19, I think. When I told her I was going to Bosnia, she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but in reality, like years later, she was like, I, I, she totally freaked out and whatever. Um, but she knew there was no stopping me, right? Yeah, I, I think for me, yeah, absolutely. Like my mom, she she would probably tell you now, like, oh yeah, I knew you were going to go. I mean, my vantage point, I was like, yeah, I don't think you really thought this was going to be legit. <laughs> at the same time i think when i when i came to to know jesus as lord man when i say when i was on fire it was there was a lot of things i just chose like this is just i don't want this you know like again football i was like now nah, i want to do this no more or like you know i started it, it seemed like when i came into my own and was trying to figure things out and, and stepping into faith it was like I don't know, this thing started unlocking. You know, I started getting into musicals, singing, playing guitar, writing music. Like, it just seemed like I think the Lord helped me unlock some things while still living in a home where, you know, it, there wasn't much, I'll say, creativity, if you will. So it was just, yeah, it just seems like, you know, when you have a revelation, right, when you have a revelation or an enlightenment of something, like, man, it's hard to stop you. A lot of people can do wrong things when they think it's right, you know. Solomon talks about that. You know, you think you're on the right path, but really you're on the path to death. I, I, for me, I just found like, man, this, I'm for sure this is life and I want to experience this. And it, I don't know. It's like, they, I mean, they could easily have said, no, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. Not one time did they, but there was very, a lot of tension and resistance on things, you know? <laughs> that's fantastic. So what's up next for you? Man, that's a great question. <laughs> that is a, that is a great question. That is a good question. Right now, I think creatively, you know, at the end of every year, I try to work on like, hey, what do I want to do? Do I want to write another book? Do I want to put out another album? Do I want to, what do I want to do? I think. Oh, time right on, now, on, another <laughs> book? So you've written books? Yeah, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to do that, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, I have uh, written three of them. I wrote two in Texas and one when I moved back to Kentucky. All right. So, about? but, but you said what? What are they about? Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the. The 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 first two are devotionals, and the third one isn't is not. Anyway, there's some faith base in them, but the first one's called uh, "You Are Enough, You Matter: Finding Purpose in God." I'm helping you try to figure out like you have value and you have identity, you know. And then 
you could argue it's a part two. It's sort of not, but it, it kind of is if you want to call it a trilogy. And then my second book is called Immeasurably More. Um, and so you're just looking, what's the next step from that after you found some purpose and meaning that you may have seeked. And then the third one was actually when the pandemic was happening, I wrote it, it's called believe again, finding God in the rubble. And so it was kind of like, all right, that was kind of a set apart alone of man, I, just like everybody, you know, we had a hard pandemic, you know, which it's not something we just, you know, like it, it was a rough time. And so I kind of wrote some things on that. So I say that to say. I'm working on some, trying to work on some creative ventures and see like, Hey, what, what do I want to do next? And so I've been looking, you know, as, as, as time moves, like, Hey, what's the next thing? So I've been kind of just praying about that and figuring out what's next. I know currently me and my friend are working on a podcast that should be at some point released. <laughs> Not sure <laughs> when that'll be, but we're working on that. And so we're excited. Uh, okay, that's that. crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, right? I know that's the only lane I've dabbled in, you know, really. And I'm, you know, I mean, writing, you know, and and singing and and more writing for that, or it, it, those are fun and all. It's like, yeah, I'm not dabbled in that space yet, you know. And I just like to touch all parts and see, hey, what can I, what do I excel in? Well, what am I not great? Well, you know, and you just kind of say, oh, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this lane because I'm better at it. So, or at least for me, I find more enjoyment and comfort. So. Now you're going to be great in podcasting simply because how naturally you are handling the, the microphone and um, it's going to be great with that. I appreciate that. You're very kind. I'll actually, I'll make sure I have you all on the show. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Turn it back to fair play. There you yes, go. absolutely. I think you'll like the theme of it. So. Pretty sure. Will. All right. Um, five dinner, uh, dinner guests, dead or alive, who are you going to invite? Five dinners, dead or alive. All right, number. This is no order. I'm just naming them, like just to make sure I remember them. Uh, one, I gotta have John Foreman. I am a huge John Foreman. He he's a the lead singer of Switchfoot, so I'm a huge John Foreman fan. Like his, I think his lyrical prowess is incredible. The projects he's made, incredible. Whether it's band or he went solo and did. And actually, I wish I even thought of this stuff. Like, I wish I wrote the stuff he wrote. So, <laughs> absolutely, John Foreman. I got to have Alicia Keys. I've always been a fan of Alicia Keys growing up. I mean, that's my girl. Uh, I mean, my wife now is my girl. But before, I used to be like, oh, I would love to have Alicia Keys. But I still want her at the table because her music is just like, hey, no way this is this good. Yeah. Um, three, I got to have Denzel man it's hard i see now you're gonna be thinking of other people like more to add but i'll keep it at five i gotta have denzel washington he's in my top five favorite actors of all time i think just because i think he has more wisdom to offer i mean because a lot of people slam him, slam him in his roles like hey man you play the same character in every movie like i'm like but he eating good so anyway i think um i would like to have him because He's very talented. He's been in the business for a while. He has a lot to say, a lot to share. I think it'd be incredible to to meet him in person. Oh, let's see. That's was that three? That's three, That's right? Three. That's yeah. three. Okay. Three. And it's tough to kind of to add two more in here. Um, wait. This. Uh, I'll probably say okay because because I'll say this because I kept thinking like who's dead that I like hey, who I would like to meet that that's died for he's been he's been gone for a little bit. I have to say Kobe because. I want to get behind his mindset, his drive, his passion. Like what, how did he stay motivated? Right. And sometimes motivation can be toxic. That's a whole nother conversation. I would like to at least talk to him like, bro, how did you keep this? You know what they call the Mamba mentality, you know, for sure. I like to, to, to hear that and see where he goes with that, man. I don't know who, who oh, oh man, this is tough. Oh man, it's tough. Hmm. You got one more. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Cause you, you know, like, huh, can I put my wife in there? <laughs> yes. Is there yeah. any person? Yes. That I love to have her at the table for sure, for sure. <laughs> at a super fancy restaurant where Jay Z would be paying for the bill. Make that clear. So we we'll just do that. That's all right. So he, 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 he can pay, but he's not part of the conversation. I mean, I may hear from him. he could. I mean, well, I can't say he could people. I mean, I like his music. I, yeah, I think he's good music. But no, no, no. I think, uh, uh, you know, you know what? I will add this person too. Uh, 
I would like to meet. It, it's a tie, so I don't. It'd be a toss up. No matter to me, either Tripley or KB. I would love to meet one of them two guys and just talk to them about faith and talk to them about you know music. It just 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 dabble in their brains about entrepreneurship too. So absolutely, them one of them two. There you go. There you go. A dinner for five with seven. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you see, that? like, uh, can we just bend the exception to the rule? <laughs> we'll pull up a chair from the other table. It'll be fun. Yeah, Jay Z's best. Push the envelope, right? The more the merrier. That's all right. <laughs> Where there's room for five, there will be room for seven. Yeah, Come right. on, I hear that. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure um, having this. Absolutely about an hour with you even though you're not the boxer or the guy from Orlando (laughs) (laughs) I mean like like we were saying off uh, off uh before we were recording I was like man it is hilarious when people try to look me up like you can't like I mean if you look up a book it'll it'll connect you even then like nah like you'll see the MMA guy you'll see like I said guy from Orlando you may see some like jail murder case or something crazy but it's not me right like it's a I think it's comical, man. But no, man, I, I really appreciate y'all having me on and just taking the time to, you know, to, to talk some good stuff and do life together. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I wish you a lot of success with, uh, first of all, with your mentorship, with everything that you do in your, with your youth work. I think that it's fantastic and we need a lot, lot more of it. it. Um, have fun with the books, writing the books. You know, between Russ and me, uh, we can probably match you with the three books. How, Russ, where are you right now? I, the second, third, right? You're I'm, the th- I'm, I'm working on my second. You're working on your second. Okay. I'm yes. working on the third. So between the three of us, we get to, we probably get to 10 by next year. I mean, yeah, we could, <laughs> you know, we could fill somebody's Amazon card up. I mean, that's how good there you it go. is. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. So no, just keep, keep rocking that. Keep doing what you're doing and come back and join us in a year from now to see what's going on. Oh, for sure. Right? I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, kickoff season three. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and invite us to your podcast, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll make sure y'all jump on. I don't know what season it'll be, but, you know, you'll jump on. It'll, and you'll awaken it, for sure. It'll be great. There you go. Fantastic, fantastic. You have a, you have a fantastic day, a good start to the year, and uh, be blessed. Hey, man, you too. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate it.